0: Today's episode of the Yins Above Your Placement podcast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making working from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. How doing? Welcome to episode 47 of the Games Above Replacement podcast. I'm Rob Temple. I cover the Pittsburgh Pirates for the Athletic. And I am joined by the inquisitive
1: Stephen J. Nesbitt. Rob, it is episode number 47, the Francisco Liriano Memorial episode. But it really should be today, the honorary uh, 50th episode. Uh, given that our guest today is Mr. Jameson Tyone. Uh, he is down... Uh, In Bradenton uh, is one of the very few people left at Pirate City rehabbing. Uh, Jamison, welcome to the program.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm. uh, It's the numbers are definitely dwindling down here, but I got my lease through October, and I'm going to stick it out.
1: (laughs) I I was going to say this is for you. This has not really changed the the uh, the plan very much. For everybody else, we thought we'd be, uh, you know, going through opening day tomorrow now, and you were going to be. Uh, sort of out of, out of baseball and, and working your way back all year anyway. Uh, what has the, I mean, has the outlook for your year changed at all? And what's it been like to, to watch everything else slow around you when you're expecting to, you know, have some serious FOMO about missing things?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, I guess in a sense, like it's changed for me just because, um, you know, we don't have our same, our same crew and our same staff here. Um, you know, every single day at our, our facility, I'm given a timeline. I have to be in and out of the field by. Um, so I'm kind of picking and choosing my priorities of what I get done at the field when we're allowed to go in our three days a week. And that lines up well for me because I'm only throwing three days a week right now. So, um, I'm getting what I need. Um, part of the reason why I'm still back here in Florida is that some of our PT staff and our, pitching coach staff that lives down here year round has said you know what if everything gets shut down and we do end up completely shutting down our facilities they're already doing a lot to monitor how many people are in and out of the facility at one time and stuff but they're like you know what we'll come to you we'll throw in a park we'll throw in the street like we'll make this happen and I feel like I'm making such big uh, strides in my rehab and the mechanical adjustments I'm trying to make that like I'm in too deep now. I really feel this sense of, like, I need to lock it in and try to still get as much working as I can.
0: Jim, when you talk about mechanical adjustments, is that something that maybe you would have been doing otherwise, or is it something necessitated by your surgery, or is it kind of a combination of both?
2: Probably a little bit of both. Um, for years, I've kind of – so over time, I've started getting more and more into the way. Um, like the biomechanic research is going guys throwing weighted balls, understanding Mm. health and the way the body moves. Um, so I've kind of had a longing for wanting to, to change some things and I never really had the opportunity to, because I was having some success and I was throwing the ball well. And, um, I just don't think I would have even been allowed to make changes, um, Mm -hmm. as drastic as I'm trying to make right now. So, you know, unfortunately, like you never want to have surgery, but it is a really good opportunity to, uh, you know, take a step back, assess everything, figure out what you want to get done. And I mean, now I've, I, this is literally the perfect time for me to make changes and mess around with some things and, and experiment.
0: Does this mean you come back as a left-handed knuckleballer?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it,
2: it does mean my arm path going to look a lot, lot shorter, but I'll still be right-handed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we are throwing this disclaimer out left and right, but clearly baseball is not the most important thing happening in the world right now and a, a shortened or canceled season isn't, uh, isn't the, the worst thing that could, could happen to us. Uh, I thought it was a pretty awesome initiative you guys as players had this week, uh, ordering, a, I think it was a, a few hundred pizzas to Allegheny General Hospital. Uh, where did that idea come from? How did that get hatched? Yeah. So we've had a group text,
2: um, with all of our guys on the roster and we were just talking about, you know, one, yeah, we like, obviously we understand sports are on the back burner right now. I mean, um, you know, they're not the most important thing, like you said, and, and public safety and health are number one. And, you know, we've seen that all over the country, all over the world, local businesses are kind of hurting from this. And then obviously doctors, nurses, and and the staff at hospitals are kind of on the front lines of all of this. So um we just thought it's something we could do and then on top of that like we're not in Pittsburgh playing we're not going to be up there for a while and it's I mean Pittsburgh's always treated us so well and um you know we're all sad that we won't get to play in front of the fans and stuff so we're like what's a way we can stay engaged help local businesses and let the hospital staff know that we appreciate them so it came together pretty quickly um you know we we threw some money in a pool. And I think we ordered like 425 pizzas, a bunch of <laughs> trays of like pasta and meatballs from Deanoia's and Pizzeria David. So it's owned by the same chef and uh mm-hmm. slice on Broadway there. I think they made like 250 or 300 pizzas. So <laughs> it came together really nicely and I'm glad it worked out.
0: What's it like to pick up a phone and call somebody and say, have that to order, 400 pizza, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
2: I got Yeah, it. we were like using the disclaimer. We were like, I know everyone seems to be using like a skeleton crew right now. Like you're <laughs> just kind of getting by with whoever can come in and, you know, whatever you can do. But I was like, if you can make a couple hundred pizza, I was like, it's <laughs> going to be a huge order. They're like, how huge? I'm like, hundreds huge. <laughs> um, but we got it done.
1: Hey, with your involvement with the the Players Union, I was curious to hear – were there whispers of something coming down the pike uh before earlier this month like w- did you hear guys guys talking in January February about how um this could become an issue and and the maybe it's not even that the season would be threatened but just that like uh something is happening around the world and we have to be ready for whatever is coming
2: yeah so I have a brother that's a doctor and he happens to be in the line of pulmonology and critical care. So this like directly is his line of work. And yeah. so he was really the one keeping me updated. Um You know, he was way ahead of all this and he was like, look, if we don't think this is going to come here and be a problem, we're crazy. That was back in like, you know, early February or whenever it was. Huh. So I've already been kind of monitoring the situation and I listen to some podcasts in the morning on my commute, uh like the the daily by the New York Times and they were yeah. talking about the coronavirus back in you know, early February, late January, whatever it was. So I've had it on my radar for a little bit. Um but uh you know I, I don't think we as players fully understood that it was gonna have this effect the way the way it's having on us.
0: When I when I talked to I was talking to Cole Tucker yesterday um And he was. It was funny. He was out in Arizona, and he was driving in his in his car as we're talking. Then he stops and says, "I'm just running some errands. I'm gonna get something to eat." And he stops his car and, and takes me with him on his cell phone. And he and he goes into, I guess, a fast food place and orders lunch, and then sits down there and, and eats it. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, what's what? it, what's it like to be in a world where that happens still?" Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, not happening. We're on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, it's just so many people assume that you know. That, that that pro athletes or, or movie stars or politicians or, or whatnot, you know, get, you know, can, can get special access or, 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 or whatever simply because of their status. But really that's not the case. What's it like for you just on a day to day basis, you know, kind of trying to come to grips with the way that daily life is now.
2: Yeah. Um, man, it's, it's definitely different. I'm, uh, cooking at home a lot so I live right across the street from a Publix which is like the big grocery store down here in Florida so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to limit how much I'm going outside I'm you know I stole a bike from the field and I'm I'm using the lot bike (laughs) in my place I'm doing a lot of my workout stuff at home and then Mm -hmm. like yesterday I went to to Publix got some stuff to cook for dinner and I'm still trying to support local if I can and there's a lot of the Mm -hmm. curbside pickup going on and um, you know like I just went and got a burrito bowl from a place and brought it home and I had asked if I could, they have like a little outdoor patio seating. And I was like, can I sit out here and eat it? Because technically it's not in your restaurant. And the guy like laughed at me and was like, no chance. You got to take that to go. So um, yeah, it's different. But I got to be honest, like me and my, I had my dad in town for a while and there was a steakhouse right by us and they're doing like 50% off bottles of wine and stuff right now. Like Mm -hmm. if you're willing to support some local places and get out and try some things and do this curbside pickup, like. There's some good deals and you can still support places. So I'm trying to, trying to balance eating healthy and eating at home and cooking while also like trying to support however I can.
0: I saw a a conversation on Twitter this morning, uh, between Amy Cole and Ashton McHugh, uh, Garrett's (laughs) wife and, and, and Cole McHugh's wife. And, and McHugh's wife asked, any other baseball wives having the experience of the quarantined spouse just spending nine hours on the phone talking about future baseball? you subconsciously make up for the time they're not spending at the field. And and Garrett's wife just had the little raised hand emoji. So what's that like for you, you know, just beyond the rehab part of it, just not being at the field and in that clubhouse environment and and everything that we all take for granted this time of year?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean – it's definitely different. Like, I just got off the phone with Musgrove right before I got on with you guys. And mm-hmm. we're just updating each other on the work we're able to do. And, um, you know, and a little update. We were saying maybe we'll share a, a FaceTime glass of whiskey together tonight. Uh, <laughs> that's something we like to do together. But, um yeah, I mean, a lot of players are actually staying in touch because of what's going on with the – I know people probably don't even want to hear about it. But, like, the MLB and the Players Association negotiations. So, mm-hmm. like – I've talked to Garrett a bunch over the past week or so about what's going on. And, you know, so players are obviously we miss each other. And, you know, like I keep in touch with a lot of the guys on Fortnite and we we play video games online <laughs> and stuff. But on the on the flip side of that, like I've gotten to reach out and talk to a lot of players on other teams that I otherwise wouldn't just because mm-hmm. of like being involved with the Players Association.
1: Yeah, I know there's a lot you you probably can't say at this point about those negotiations. We'll find out. Uh, a lot when we know if there are going to be games played and when. But I guess from a player's perspective, what does the idea of a, like a canceled season do? What what is that? What are the issues and what are the problems with just saying, you know what, let's just punt this to next year?
2: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, like a lot of players would be losing a you know prime year of their life to to yeah. compete and and play and put their product on the field for people. So just to like, I mean, I'm kind of a noted. I'm just a fan of the game and like for me i wasn't going to play this year but as a fan like i think that would just stink not to see my favorite players on the field um obviously that's on the back burner but if you really want to get into like the specifics of what a lost year does like what a canceled season does i mean the the whole service time issue would have to be revisited i mean pays like, guys understand this is a crazy time guys have moved on from you know, the, people have gotten over the whole pay issue, but like the service time thing where yeah. um, you have guys that are going to be free agents, guys that are going into the arbitration system, like it would mess up a lot of different moving parts in our game. Um, but at the same time, like, this is crazy, but everyone in this world's just kind of trying to figure this all out together. So, um, you know, nothing's really going to shake us at this point. Um, you know, a lot of people have it a lot worse than us, but we're kind of just all like, let's just figure it out, let's hunker down, figure this out as we go, try to make it fair for everybody, and let's try to get on the field whenever it's safe to do so.
1: In the the conversations you've had with with other players and union reps, uh, would you say there's still a lot of optimism that that we're going to have a season in some form or fashion?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the cool things, like, when I've been on the phone with guys, just how willing guys are to do whatever we can to get on the field. So, like I said, like, I'm not going to play this year, but – the ideas being thrown around about, like, there's a deal on our CBA where guys can't play 20 consecutive games. Like, teams can't play 20 consecutive games. We've talked about, like, is that something we'd be interested in waiving to get as many right. games in as possible? Are we going to be playing one or two doubleheaders every week? Are we going to expand rosters so we can play more games? Are we going to go into October, November with the regular season? So, like, there's just ideas being thrown around all over the place. Um And I think some, that's something that's kind of cool that's come from this is, like, MLB and the players both understand that both sides want to get in as many games as possible and we know we want to play as many games for the fans as we can. Um I think obviously like we have to keep throwing the disclaimer out there. Like there's obviously more important things going on in the world and we understand that. But at the same time, like I I think people one one train of thought's like sports don't matter right now, but then the other train of thought's like, holy crap, I never realized how big uh a part sports played in my life until you don't have them. So yeah. for us to be able to return to the field and hopefully bring some normalcy and comfort back to people's lives, like that would be cool for us to be able to do.
0: You think maybe too, in, in a way, I mean, you know, we, we all know that that CBA expiration is out there looming after, uh, I guess, what, December of 2021. Do you think maybe having a situation now where, where significant issues have to be hashed out between ownership and, and and the players association that that might maybe even even just in a small way help things a little bit when it comes time to sit down at the table and and really start negotiating the uh, the next cba
2: yeah i think man it's crazy like no one expected to have to be negotiating right now especially with all this yeah. going on it definitely feels kind of weird but like you said there's definitely some good that can come from it i think um even just the familiarity of, like, the PA's lawyers and MLB sitting down and hashing some things out, like, there's no doubt that in the long run the familiarity of each other and stuff will help. Um And then just, like, I can speak for the player side, but from our side just, you know, getting on the conference calls and staying in touch with guys from other teams and then having a group text with my guys and being able to keep them informed and updated and engaged on, on what's going on. Um, You know, I think it's it's a good precursor to what's, what's to come with the CBA. I think it's kind of woken a lot of people up to say, Hey, there's some real issues that we're going to have to hash out. And, you know, we all need each other and we need to be unified and we need to keep in touch. And, you know, whether you've got 15 years in the big leagues and a ton of money, or whether you're the last guy on a 40 million roster in the minor leagues for most of your career, like this can affect everybody. So it's been cool to see like just the, the level of engagement from everybody.
1: If we look at what's sort of, at this point probably the best case scenario is is that baseball comes back like June 1st or something or Memorial Day. Um you're just going to be like you said kind of a, a fan this year watching from afar. What uh I guess what what sort of chaos would that bring if you're just doing a June to um you know October 1st season if you probably push the trade deadline back to maybe end of August. Um but I mean I brought this up the other day the Pirates were like a game and a half out of out of first place or the playoffs at the all-star break last year like that would really bring a lot of other teams into the mix right
2: yeah i think again like just as a fan i think it could be kind of exciting like um you know it's going to be chaotic i do not envy uh, you know it might be a computer system at this point but like whoever's going to make our (laughs) schedule like that's going to be an absolute mess the travel schedule like our travel secretary, Greg Johnson, I do oh, not envy his position <laughs> right now. Canceling hotel reservations, trying to pick them back up when it's time. He has to make sure team flights and buses are ready in advance for whenever we do play. Like, I'm sure he's got to be stressed and then players need their allowance. And people are asking him questions about rent and leases people have in Pittsburgh. Like, there's a, this is affecting so many people. Like, I do not envy a lot of people's jobs right now, but... Uh, yeah, it's gonna be chaotic. I don't even, I don't even know if I've thought that far ahead to like what a trade deadline could even look like for this year.
1: Uh, just a couple more before we, we let you go. I was curious about your rehab. Where are you at in, uh, the rehab? Are you throwing, I think it was 120 or something like that. Uh, where are you at? What are sort of the next steps and how are you feeling so far?
2: Yeah, so today was my second day throwing at 120 feet. Um, that's a pretty big step just because that's as far back as you go on the the rehab calendar. You don't throw any, any farther distance wise than that. My throws, my number of throws will increase, but like that's as far back as I go. So, um, that's a big step and to get the ball that far, you have to put a little more on it. So every time I pick up a ball, I feel like I'm like really trusting my arm and my elbow more, um, and understanding that I am healthy now and it is, my problem is fixed, um I'm cleared to throw weighted balls, which has been great. That's been helping me a lot. Um, so I'm going to stay at this distance for maybe like two more weeks. And then I actually had a built-in break in my program for a couple weeks. And then when I come back from that, I'll move from throwing three days a week to like four or five days a week. I'll start building up towards mound work. Um, so it, it progresses pretty quickly. Like it's moving pretty rapidly.
0: Who catches you w- at this time? <laughs>
2: um Today... I've played catch with Justin Message. I've mm-hmm. played, ca- I've played catch with uh, Shelty a bunch.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> Don Kelly's still down here for now. I, I think he's going back to Pittsburgh here soon with his family, but yeah, it's pretty much whoever's like not watching a bullpen or, or whoever's not, you know, running a drill somewhere else. Um, the consistent thing is that I have like the same set of eyes on me as far as trainers go, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of whoever's available and ready.
1: I know you said you're going to take it, you know, not rush the second Tommy John rehab. Is there a date on the calendar that you've circled where things like you can be back to a normal schedule if all goes right? Um, is it opening day next year? You could be available is there some point next off season where if all goes according to plan, you're, you know, back on a regular starter schedule?
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't know what like my inning count and stuff will look like coming off of this. Um, so, like, I like to think, I mean, shoot, I feel so good. Like, I'm not getting sore the day after I throw. Normally, whenever I add any sort of intensity to my program, like, up my throws or back up my distance, I, I would get sore. Will this go around? Like, my arm's giving me some pretty dang good feedback. Like, I feel awesome. So, I'm starting to get, like, antsy, and I, I want to, like, I'm having that little voice in my head that's telling me to to step on it. Maybe I have a chance if our season gets pushed back to pitch, but then that would mean I'd have a shortened off season going into next year and that's not good. So I have to like temper my expectations. But um I I feel healthy right now. So I would imagine by opening day next year I'll be, you know, fully healthy and ready to go. But who knows what they're gonna want to do with me as far as innings count, maybe go, going on a six or seven day every time or piggybacking guys. I'm not really sure what it's gonna look like.
0: Hey one thing, uh backing up a little bit to where uh touching back after on the pizza stuff. Um, are you looking to do some stuff with commonplace coffee to in the near future?
2: Yeah. So we're working with them right now. I actually, I think I have a text in from the guy who does all their, their roasting of the beans. Mm-hmm. Um, we are buying, I think maybe North of a hundred bags of coffee from them. I just saw they're, they're having to shut down some of their stores as far as being open to the public and stuff, but okay. we still wanted to support, any way that we could and i think our plan there is to make sure that our first responders and you know police stations and fire stations have all the coffee they need to keep them going because i I know they're they're working their tails off right now too so um yeah we're going to be working with them and then i know i had talked with the chef and owner of acorn and shady side a little bit too about maybe buying lunch for people one day one afternoon
0: there one last thing is i'm uh, looking to do a That defined like the ultimate, uh, Pirates team. It'd be like a four team tournament, but there's going to be a play in between the 2015 Pirates and the <laughs> 90, probably the 91 Pirates. Uh. So I'm going to start probably Cole against Drebeck, uh, your former <laughs> teammate against uh, a fellow Texan. Uh, give me a scouting report. Who do you like in that game?
2: Yeah, I went to the same high school as Drebeck's son, Kyle. So.
0: Well, oh, yeah. There you
2: go. Man, yeah, Kyle was on maybe the best high school team of all time. You had Kyle Drabeck and Paul Goldschmidt and Brett Eibner and a couple other draft picks. Oh, so, oh. um, that's a fun little nugget there. But, um, man, I was born in 1991. So, I don't yeah, same, want- <laughs> same Rob. <laughs> I'd have a tough time, but how many games did that 2015 team win? It was over 90, right?
1: 90,
2: 98, 90,
0: right
1: yeah yeah
2: i i think man i'm probably taking i'm taking the boys that I've seen play um twenty fifteen was the year they just ran into a really tough Jake Arietta right mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah
2: i think man I, I'd like to see that team get another shot at it, so I'll take the twenty fifteen buckos am like taking it.
0: them. Over Bonds and Bonilla and Van Slyke and Trey Who? Oh, okay. Never heard of those guys. Never heard <laughs> of them.
1: <laughs> well, hey, JMo, we really appreciate you, uh, you coming on. We hope you stay safe, stay healthy. And, uh, yeah, we'll check back in, uh, as soon as things get going a little bit here.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later, guys. Take care. Stay safe, JMo.
1: Now a brief little pause to tell you about my very favorite app in the universe. Sports canceled. Tournaments been canceled. Leagues suspended. There hasn't been a live game on TV in like two decades. You heard us talking about Bobby Benia, and Barry Bonds. I think they were the last people to be on TV. Um, sources say it's been a week since we've had sports. I don't think uh, that's necessarily accurate. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely like we have. Let's not do this again. But The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there. And in these very strange, very uncertain times... They're still hard at work, we are still hard at work, doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, and informative stories. Like, guys, I just heard about this one. Brazilian soccer leg- legend Ronaldinho, you know him, right? He's in a Paraguayan jail right now, okay? That is on our site. Go check it out. We've got stories like, hey, a little self-promotion. The life and death of Michelle Briere, the Pittsburgh Penguins' very first star. I just wrote that one this week. I promise. It's good. Uh, we've got stories about how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams fell apart. You didn't think it could happen that fast, did you? How minor league baseball players are getting support from their major league counterparts. We've got stories. Uh, there's a great one from Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark, two legends of the reporting game, talking about what this season could look like in baseball. How short, how likely that it gets canceled. Do we do a round-robin tournament in August? It's unbelievable. Uh, and, of course, whatever sport you like, we've got it covered. Every city. Uh, we've even got the EPL for you folks like Rob Beertemple. Um, and, of course, for you, you yinzers out there, we've got Mark Caboli with his mock drafts, Ed Bouchette with his expert analysis and his stories from uh, the years long before, you know, most of us were born or some of us were born. So, again... I say it's times like this that The Athletic can keep us connected to the teams, the athletes, the sports you love. Sign up now. Try it today to see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, and the storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash yinz, that's theathletic.com slash yinz, Y-I-N-Z, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Games aren't being played right now. But the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash yins for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there.
0: Now, let's go back to the show. Nez, a couple of days ago, actually was a Friday news dump. I think the news came down exactly at 5 p.m. on Friday, uh, that the Pirates optioned seven players to AAA Indianapolis. Uh, it's kind of essentially a paper move in a way because, you know, nobody's actually moving anywhere since everybody is self-quarantined. But uh, Jeff Hartlieb, Sam Howard, Yaxo Rios, Edgar Santana, Cabrian Hayes, Cole Tucker and Jason Martin were all sent down to uh, AAA Indianapolis, meaning essentially that as they stand now, they will not open the team, the season with the big club uh, whenever that might be and wherever that might be. Well, what are, you, what was your thoughts? What are your reaction to those moves? Surprised at all yeah. of that?
1: No, not really, because I, I think a lot of this is just happening sort of defensively where teams aren't quite sure what deadlines mean anymore. And so <laughs> yeah. there was, there was always a point in spring training, right? Where they'd send down these young guys who, um, who weren't going to be on the opening day roster because they didn't want them to get injured um and thus be put on the major league uh, disabled list or injured list and be accruing service time. So this always happened um I don't know if that date has stayed the same, if that's changing or or what. But basically this just signals the Pirates uh if they have to set a roster today, they're not going to put those guys on the major league roster. They're going to sort of protect them from getting major league service time and I think that was um I, to, to my own horn, I think I was saying this the whole time that Cabrian Hayes, the only way I saw him on the opening day of roster was if he had signed this extension we're talking about. And that, that probably mm-hmm. has been halted for the moment. And, uh, he hasn't hit well enough at AAA to, to say that, you know, it's a, uh, you know, a crime to not have him in the majors. Uh, he could use some more seasoning at AAA. He hit well this spring and mm-hmm. Cole Tucker, they sort of have. Uh, kind of too many options at shortstop right now in the majors. And, yeah. uh, he can get every day at bats if and when AAA games return. O'Neill Cruz got sent to AA. That's kind of telling us that, uh, there's going to be someone else at AAA. That's Cole mm-hmm. Tucker. I, 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 it was expected to me. Uh, really the only thing I couldn't figure out is like, does this mean anything? Is this, uh, direction being given by the league to say teams get your rosters in order this way? Or is this the pirates just saying like, we don't want to be surprised by something down the road and realize that we should have done this move earlier. We really don't lose anything by doing this. So let's send these guys down to a paper move to the miners.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I agree with you there. I think it's, you know, it, it, I don't know, it's not exactly the same case, but I just think back to the year whenever the Pirates, you know, lost like 18 people or, <laughs> or whatever it was in the first 20 picks of the Rule 5 draft and everybody was like, maybe some of those guys should have been protected. So, um, yeah, I think that it's, it's a, it's a kind of a due diligence move on the Pirates part. It, it certainly in Tucker's case, I don't think means that they think any less of him or that his, Star is descending, you know, in terms of where he stands in the pecking order or, or his long-term future with the organization. I still think he's a an everyday player in the not so distant future, whether that be at some point this year or next. Um whether that's a short or second or, or whatever happens. Um yeah, I think it's just a move just to just to clear some some names off that list. Um you know, in the, in, the, in the media room at the Park, we have the 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 full Roster of of players, non-roster and roster invited to spring training. And as, you know, as they make cuts, you you scratch off the, the name on the list just so you don't get confused later on. And I think that's kind of what the Pirates are doing here. Just reducing the number of balls that they have in the air at any given moment. Uh, Cabrian Hayes certainly looked great this spring. Um, he was doing the things that they need him to do, you know, flashed some, some decent offense. Um, the defense is, has advertised. I can't say that enough. It really just looks ready to, to play Major League Baseball right now defensively. So again, yeah, nothing changes there. Um, maybe, um, I don't know. The, the relievers that they sent down again, no surprises as well. Maybe Edgar Santana, a little bit of a surprise, but again, guy sure. coming off Tommy on, uh, they just maybe once this, this buys them time to make sure he's, he's healthy and ready to go. Yeah. So I so,
1: yeah, I have no no issues with those moves. I think <laughs> were the were the opening day really to be tomorrow, maybe they'd handle them a little differently. But I think the reality that most fans don't really realize maybe or don't want to accept coming out of spring training is like some of these dudes that you might not care for at all are gonna make the roster <laughs> because they are it's either use yeah. them or lose them. And let's say a JT Riddle or uh, in years mm-hmm. past, Cole Figueroa made the opening day roster. Media favorite, Cole Figueroa. Uh, was, he didn't last long, but it was a case where, uh, the Pirates, uh, said, you know, he can, he's played in the majors before, we'll see what we got on him, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, before, you know, we expose people to waivers or something like that, um, you know, all we're gonna be doing here is burning an option year for, for Cole Tucker, that's fine by us, he, you know, has some remaining. So, I, I, yeah, it's just kind of like the reality is: is some of these guys who maybe don't deserve a spot all season long are going to make the opening day roster just because of uh, how roster moves shake out and, and roster management happens in, in the majors. It's just kind of the, the you know a fact of life in the majors.
0: Yeah, I think too, and you know everybody is like you say, just kind of holding their breath right now to see what uh, the PA and MLB agree to in terms of service time and. Uh, opt out clauses, you know, guys who, you know, could, could opt out of their, their contracts if they were not on, uh, the 25, well, I'm sorry, the 26 man roster on opening day. And that was a specific date, not necessarily just opening day in a general sense, but a specific day, you know, March 26th for the Pirates. So yeah, there's so many moving parts there that still haven't at least not publicly been ironed out and, and finalized. And I think we'll start to see that happen now because now that we're, right up against the what would have been opening day uh and and, and certain deadlines and, and, and agreements click into place um or have to at least be you know worked out i think now we start to see some announcements and some decisions made about how we how baseball is going to proceed going forward and for the pirates i don't think it really changes a lot i don't think this season whether it's 162 games or or 62 games i don't think it changes a lot in terms of where the team was headed this season um you know you would still like a full season just so Ben and his lieutenants can get eyes on guys in game situations, but you know they'll just they 'll find a way around that and and work and proceed from there maybe maybe a shortened season creates a little bit more of a seller's market in in the trade market uh and maybe that helps the pirates a little bit. you know maybe a team gets off to a slow start or has a you know has a a closer you know, blow four of his first nine saves and they get a little panicky and start to say, well, mm-hmm. maybe we'll up our offer for a guy like Keone Kella. And so maybe that trade happens sooner than later. All those things right now, it's so many hypotheticals, Um, you know, once we start to see decisions being made and announced, then we can start to really theorize how they will play out.
1: Yeah. Um Last night I tuned into AT&T Sports, was re-airing the 2013 wildcard game, and I just saw that the MLB is doing a – uh, opening day at home initiative and they're, they're making that game available as well as one for every other team. And, uh, I had a blast watching it. I really did. It's just seeing baseball again is, is great. And I didn't actually watch that one live. I was to tell you where my career was at. I was coming back from West Virginia, <laughs> oh. um, after, after, after covering a West Virginia football press conference and. Oh. I at this point in my life I didn't have my own car, so I was driving the the Post Gazette's pool car back to the newsroom. I dropped it off. The game was going on. I'd been listening on the radio, and I just walked down to the stadium and uh, sort of watched it from the Columbia Bridge. It was great. I uh, I had a blast. It was a really cool view. I was sitting across the river when the fireworks went off and the ball game was over. It was, um, it was sort of not the way I would have drawn up watching the game, but it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty awesome. And, uh, and rewatching it last night was, was really fun. I had forgotten honestly that Russ Martin hit a second home run, just an exclamation point. Uh, but I was curious. I'm, I'm sure you were in the building. What was, what were some of your memories from favorite memories from that night?
0: For starters, I, it was the first time in a long time that I had, that I was wishing that I was watching the game not as a, as a sports writer. Just yeah. because of the whole atmosphere, Uh, you know, it had been 20 years since people here had anything like that. There was so much combustion <laughs> built up inside of people and so many emotions and uh, that they were just waiting to get out. And you could just feel that when people were lining up to get into the ballpark. I went down by the gates when they opened the gates and people – surged through there, you know, and then, and, you know, they had to slow people down a little bit so it wasn't a a trampling kind of situation, but it really was just, you know, an urgency to, to feel it, to touch it, to, to, just to, you know, everything was a little different. I just remember, I mean, the blackout kind of helped because that created a different kind of scene there, but it just seemed like the, and I guess it's true for any playoff situation um, in, in any sport, but the just, the, the 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 smell of the food grilling and and the beer is different, the sounds of the crowd is different. It's it's not it, it's a much more engaged crowd than you're going to find on a you know Tuesday afternoon against the Brewers or something. Um, I just wanted to be part of that, so I did you know I went walked the concourses a little bit and and tried to soak up some of that, but it's still not quite the same because you're still detached. You're observing it more so than experiencing it in some ways and that was kind of a shame but I did have that in in 1991 and 92 um back when I went you know as a fan to see those those teams in the in the nationally playoffs and I had forgotten a little bit what that feeling was like and it was yeah. nice to have that back and I'm sure for people that when Cueto drops that ball the reaction you hear is is the most genuine thing you ever hear yeah um, so i oh, was just amazing just an amazing night
1: yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I was thinking back to the 2015 game too when um the one Jameson was refer- or you you referenced earlier and Jameson was speaking about uh that whole situation was almost even even wilder with how good that team was, the 98 win team that was forced into the wild card game by the the, the Cardinals, 100 plus wins, I think 101 maybe. And um uh, and all of a sudden it was over, right? It was such a wild <laughs> Yeah. Wild thing where you walk in into the clubhouse after the game and, um, you know, AJ Burnett is, is packing up his things. Neil Walker is packing up, they don't have like, like hockey and football have like a bag day where you, you take off. Um, mm-hmm. media can come back into the clubhouse locker room, dressing room the next day and, and talk to guys and they've had their, you know, they they've figured out some things to say and, and have cooled off or whatever. Um, baseball, at least the, the pirates don't have that. And so it was, sudden thing like, wait a minute, that may have been Neil Walker's last game with the Pirates. Wait a minute, that AJ Burnett might be retiring and yeah. kind of had to go around the room and be like, Hey, I know you just suffered a shake area to inflict a, a defeat, but like, do you think that was your last, uh, that bat in the Pirates uniform, hometown kid? And it was just so strange, so yeah. abrupt, right? It's such a strange thing, but that's, that's what the wild card game is, right? It's, it's one last, uh, last dash and sometimes it doesn't go your way.
0: Yeah, I think some of that might comes from where in baseball for years, you know, guys just stay with teams for years and years. And now, you know, it's not unusual to have, you know, guys pick up and move and they just don't have, like you say, they don't have that extra day when you can really process things and comment on them. So it's, those are some of the hardest interviews to do is after a big loss like that in baseball to go to talk to guys, not just about what happened, you know, over the past four hours. To what happens tomorrow and, and next month and next spring, and um, you know nobody wants to talk about that stuff. Then, but you got to, and uh, it's it's yeah, it's never easy. It's hard. It's very hard. Yeah.
1: Well, that'll that'll do it. We're gonna we're gonna stay here for you guys, even if baseball uh, doesn't <laughs> return for some time. Hopefully, we'll have some more news. It sounds like uh, we'll probably be hearing more on the the players' union front and the the MLB yeah. front in the near future. We'll see what that entails but, uh, but, yeah, we'll try to keep the guests coming as well. They're always fun a good good distraction and and uh so, please let us know if you have um if you have questions, if you have any guest requests, and we'll do our best to to get them and you know we're just gonna we're gonna help each other get through this, right Rob?
0: I'd like to request Bob nunning well, huh. we'll work on that huh <laughs> 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 the, the next reason, the,
1: the next podcast he does will be the first podcast he does. <laughs>
0: talk to you oh wait wait hold on oh. don't don't let him go yet hold on i'm not given the tagline yet
1: okay don't let them go there was a question i promised to answer in this episode let me pull it up real quick this is I, th- I think it was honestly the one question i got when i asked for questions and that must be honored right we gotta respect that so three two one here it is from ben on twitter ben says do you think Charrington would have taken the pirates gm job without a air quotes, guarantee from nutting that when the rebuild is close to giving the team a real chance that he will open his wallet and give them the pieces they need. In other words, the exact opposite of 2015 offseason. Hey, there we are. Nice segue. Uh, Rob, what do you think? Did you think he would have taken the job without getting some sort of guarantee that the money would be coming eventually?
0: Yes. I think uh, the position I think he's in, I mean, it's kind of a new lose for him. I mean, say that – You know, he, he works his butt off here and, you know, the team doesn't win. Well, you know, you're, you're hamstrung by, by the, by the business model. And if you work your butt off and the team does win, well, you're a miracle worker. And either way, um, it's, it's, it's good for Ben. And, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, I can't even pretend to know whether or not he plans on staying here for the rest of his career or, or, or whatever, you know, that, that's foolish to even speculate, but you know, it, it, either way it works out there for him, it could help him wherever he goes next. I don't think the business model that the pirates have. I mean, if it was going to change, it would have changed by now and it hasn't. It's been decades, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I think it is what it is. I don't think any guarantees were made nor were they offered.
1: Yeah. I think it would, it would have to be a much more of an air quotes guarantee than, than a true one. I, um, I think. I think Ben would have, uh, only, he, he, I would guess, again, we don't know this for sure because they don't really talk about this stuff. Uh, I would guess that he wanted to make sure that they were willing to spend in moderation at least. And, you know, like saying, hey, 15, your, your payroll got higher than it ever had been. Uh, are you willing to do that again when you get a 98 win team? Are you willing to, uh, you know, uh, at the trade deadline, <clears throat> you know, raise the payroll a little bit by getting some older guys? Uh, and you just pay them for two months. Are you okay with that? And I I think it would be pretty easy for Bob Nutting to say, yeah, look at my history. Uh, 15, we did this, whatever. And, um, so I don't know. I I think they probably, I'm sure they had that discussion. If Charrington was told, you know, no, we're going to try to get as good as we can with a $75 million or less payroll. He's not going to take that because it's very hard to look good. And if you have, you know, he got, he looked bad enough. Charrington did having, you know, three last place finishes in four years in, in, in Boston and he won a world series the fourth year. So I yeah. don't think he's, he's necessarily wants to take on a, an entirely losing endeavor, uh, a hopeless situation, but I think, uh, he at least probably would, would have wanted assurance that, uh, there's going to be a little bit of backup that, Hey, if I build this great homegrown team, um, you're going to help me out a little bit when, when it becomes important and when we really have a shot. I, I'm sure they have that conversation. Hey, I think Bob Nunning would be fine going to, you know, 110, 115, 120, maybe even if they had an insane team that just needed that one player to go over to the top. Um, I think you would be willing to go there if it's not a season long or or two or three or four year long guarantee like you're doing with some of these free agents. I mean, they're never going to do that type of deal. So uh, I guess, Ben, I would say yes
0: and no. I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Well, and who knows too what what the what the next CBA holds? I mean, does it hold? Is, does it result in a situation where there's more pressure on teams like the Pirates to to spend more money to whether that's a floor or in a, in a ceiling, or, or or whatever, or more transparency with the union or whatever? I mean, when I talked to you know, to Tony Clark that afternoon during spring training about the Pirates payroll circumstances. I mean, this, this is a, a sincere concern. I think a lot of people have tried to laugh it off like, oh, well, it's just a grievance. It doesn't have any weight. Nobody really cares. The union is, is deeply concerned about this. And Tony Clark knows that his reputation as the, the head of the union has taken some hits and that, that they need to, to stand firm and, and get some progress. And I think this, this next CBA is going to be a time when they can, you know, that there's there's an opportunity for them to make some gains. I think they sense that. So who knows what the what the environment will be like in at the start of the 2022 season and that will determine what the pirates can and can't do monetarily. So there you have it. There we
1: have it. you know next time. I'll say it now.
0: Topkins later.